Welcome back. It's episode 107 of Our Brooklyn Bites. I am Stephanie. I am Leon. And it is now December. We skipped a week because we were eating turkey. <laughs> right. It took us a whole week. Busy with our families and other things. Yep. So we're back now. And any news to report? Nothing exciting. Still no NES classics to be found anywhere. Really? I bought 12. <laughs> you bought 12. I bought 12. One for every member of my family. <laughs> One for every uh, uh, day of Christmas, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, it's still ridiculously impossible to get. Mm-hmm. I did buy the controller. I think I talked about it last time, though, right? Yeah. I bought the controller. You're ready. So you're ready for two-player action yeah. <laughs> if you manage to get one. Right. I'm not even going to turn the thing on, probably. It'll be nice to um, decorate your shelf with, at least. Sure. It'll be <laughs> nice for that. <laughs> well, because of no NES Classic, I had enough free time to play a, a different game. And I decided to tackle a beat-em-up. Uh-huh. Uh, this time, I, I looked at my Did list. Did you have a sock full of quarters? Uh, that would have helped, right? <laughs> well, luckily, I didn't need it, because... It's on free play, let's say. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm talking about the game called The Punisher. And this was based on the Marvel Comics character, The Punisher. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was originally done by Capcom. This was, I think, the first game in a long list of collaborations between Capcom and Marvel Comics. So, of course, this was an arcade game released in 1993. Mm. And uh, although it was also ported to the Genesis, I decided to take a look at the arcade game that it originally came from instead. So you have a choice to play as two different characters. You can play as the Punisher. Frank Castle is his real name. You have your choice of of Frank or of Nick Fury. Nick Fury, huh? Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is not director Nick Fury that maybe audiences today are more familiar with because he eventually got promoted. Back in that time, he was uh, one of the lead agents. How old is that character, that that comic book? The Punisher? Yeah. Um, it goes back to the 70s. Oh, okay. All right. It's not super... It's not like Superman old or no. Batman or anything. Right. Because I remember kind of peaking in popularity around that time. Um, yeah, I think... Um, he he originally came out in as a as a as a guest in like Spider-Man. Mm. So he was uh, he first appeared in an, an issue of Amazing Spider-Man that came out in uh like around 1974 somewhere around okay. there. Yeah. So he's an he's an ex-marine. He turned vigilante basically going on this one-man war against criminals and organized crime and and so on. Yeah. Uh basically his family was was killed in the crossfire during like some kind of a mob hit or a mob killing or something like that, and uh, as a result, he's on a mission, you know. And now Nick Fury in the comic book is that his partner? That's or? a funny thing. It's one of the oddities about this game. It's like why include Nick Fury in this because they're not exactly buddies or anything, and I guess they've run into each other, and I'm sure. He, Nick Fury doesn't exactly approve of his methods. In fact, you even see comments throughout the game. If you play in co-op mode, 
you'll see Nick Fury talking about how Punisher's going over the line and he's going too far and we're going to have to talk about your methods later <laughs> on. And I, you see that kind of thing yeah. happening. But, yeah, it's an odd inclusion to, to take that character. But I guess they figured we want someone who's kind of a soldier, too, and maybe somebody who's, uh, you know, wouldn't be out of place to be using a gun to, like, mow down enemies. Because that's kind of the action in this game. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the the tie-in, I think. And Nick Fury is very good at promoting smoking, too. Right. So Which you don't see very often in a video game. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, in fact, in the Genesis version, they kind of toned that down. They did. Okay. Yeah, you didn't really, you didn't really get a sense of seeing that too much. <laughs> but yeah, he is very prominently smoking in the <laughs> arcade game. <laughs> so the game opens up with kind of a dramatic introduction. You know, you're told New York is a jungle of steel and concrete, and you know, predators of all kinds prey on. This was the pre. Mayor Giuliani. This is gritty New York. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, this sounds like the New York we know, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Not, not the modern New York that people see now. Uh-huh. Well, it gets followed with uh, a, a short little introduction to explain how the Punisher character was born. You see his family enjoying a nice day in Central Park, and and then something horrible happens, and... Um, you see a guy strung upside down. Mm. <laughs> That's the victim that the mob's taking care of, and the family happens to stumble upon this, and uh, that's the end of them. So, you know, I, Batman, too, was another character who was created because he had some personal tragedy. His parents were, were killed by a mugger, so he decided to fight crime to make sure that doesn't happen to anyone else. But Batman's very sort of... He still has this high moral code that he refuses to kill. He doesn't shoot a weapon or oh, anything like that. I didn't know that. Yeah, so he's more of a hero. Uh, uh-huh. But the Punisher is more of this, this gritty sort of, you know, I'm going to take matters into my own hands kind of a guy. Mm. And, you know, he's not, he's not shy about shooting down people who deserve it, who and, he thinks he deserves it. And he wears a big skull on his right. shirt. Yeah, <laughs> a not-so-subtle sort of hint that he's, uh, he means business. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, following this little introduction, he says, I am the Punisher, and if you're guilty, you're dead. You know, that's his motto, I suppose. Uh, So, stage one begins, and it's titled, Back to the War. Now, I hear a battle cry that sounds very similar to the kind of voice that was used in Street Fighter II games. Uh, and I think it's saying, say your prayers. Hmm. It's, it's kind of a synthesized voice. Yeah, I couldn't make it out. Couldn't really tell what yeah. it was saying, right? It does sound like the announcer from Street Fighter 2. Yeah. It's definitely the same voice. Mm-hmm. It's not surprising because the game is running on, on Capcom's uh, CP system, which or also known as the CPS1 platform. Uh, you even see that referenced in the high score table in the game during oh, really? during a track mode. It'll say Capcom CP system. Oh, I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, um, they also it also employs that Q sound system that uh, Capcom famously used in a lot of those games hmm. back in that era. It's uh, which is a specialized audio filter that they employed to create 3D positional sound. Yeah. Um, how effective it was is kind of up to you. I think didn't Madonna end up buying that technology or something, or she's like used it on. Whatever I, I heard it was right? used for some professional recordings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It definitely started in the music industry. Like a few music executives, I think, founded the company. Mm. 
Um, how they got hooked up with Capcom, I'm not too sure. Yeah, it's strange, right? For Especially talking about, this is like 16-bit era kind of graphics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're looking at like FM sound chip, maybe. I, I don't know. Do you know what sound chip it used? Or? Um, yeah, they actually did have a Yamaha sound chip in yeah, there. So. It had the, the YM2151. <laughs> it's also known as the OPM chip. Mm-hmm. So that's a very popular sound chip that was yeah. used by everybody back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Capcom used it, Sega, Konami. They used, it was used in a lot of different um, systems. It's basically the same chip that was used in the, um, in the DX100. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was like one of Yamaha's like, low-end mm-hmm. synthesizers. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> the game starts off with with uh, the characters crashing into a casino or a bar, maybe. Um, they can bust up bar stools and barrels for items. Uh, you can collect things like a pizza pie for health, <laughs> which is always cool to see. And I like how games like this have like a little indicator in the corner telling you who's currently attacking you and what item you're picking up, mm. and even like a little icon for it, too. Do you like when they name the characters you're fighting? Even these, like, generic-looking, like... Right, sure. Like, non-special guys, yeah. It's funny to see what names they choose. Yeah, I like to see that. It adds a lot of flavor Mm -hmm. to the game. Yeah, so you beat up a couple of thugs, and this other guy notices and comes in, and he stands in a very strange pose, and he says, what's going on back there? And he says, oh, the Punisher. He responds with, you can run, but you can't hide. So the fight then continues out onto the street. And the Punisher can occasionally draw a pistol. I'm not really sure what triggers that ability. Sometimes you get, like, a pistol with a crosshair that you can then use to shoot around the screen at different enemies. Um, but then it goes away, and some enemies leave pistols behind on the on the ground, but you just pick them up for points. It's not like you can reload your gun by picking up theirs, so... Yeah, that's strange, and, and it's not just guns, because sometimes you'll get an Uzi or a machine gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a variety of different different weapons depending on what the enemies are carrying, and you can use their weapons against them, hmm. which is typical for this type of game, right? Now, you also joined in for a playthrough too, right? We we, we t- yeah, decided you did to tackle this player, game, and then we did a because it is two player simultaneous, so mm-hmm. we did try that out on my meme setup. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah, it's your typical beat 'em up, mm-hmm. sure, <laughs> um, with friendly fire, we, which we didn't realize until probably stage two or three but you can some uh, you can affect you know hit, hit your other player although it didn't seem to be a big problem but one or two times there were times where i was trying to beat up enemies and or you know we were both fighting in the same space and somehow we managed to pick each other up yeah and throw, and throw each other <laughs> uh-huh so i don't really know what the rules for that was uh-huh. it, it's kind of fun that another thing you can pick up is hand grenades which you can use as uh, a quick bomb type of attack to clear out some enemies if it gets really busy. Uh, but those are kind of limited. You don't you don't have an infinite supply of those. You just whatever you can find along the way. Another food item that you can use is chicken. <laughs> uh, and protein, very good. The very common item that means health in a lot of games. Uh, I noticed too one of the street thugs that we're fighting is a skinhead armed with a knife is named Leon. I don't think it's a very good representation. It's not mo- modeled after you? I, I, no? It doesn't doesn't seem like Leon it. Leon circa 1993? The 90s were rough times, but I don't think I ever resorted to that look. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll take your word for it. Mm-hmm. 
Another another thug is named Yan Lee. He's a kind of a martial arts fighter and does a lot of flying kicks across the screen. But eventually, in the next scene, you see the characters drop kick into the back of a school bus from uh, from a moving van and declares, "You're finished now, Bruno." Which I guess is the boss that we're here to to find. But Bruno and his thugs kind of step out. And he sends in another big bruiser in his place named Scully, this big guy. And I noticed, too, uh, when Frank goes down for the count, now we didn't see this happen during the co-op play because the other character's on the screen, but if you're playing in single-player mode, if you lose a life or if you run out of your, your three lives, you see Frank on a, on a table, and someone's trying to revive him. Hmm. And I think it's Microchip, which is a character from the comics, who um that sounds like the the nerdy tech guy yeah he's like the guy that that operates you know the punisher's weapons van when he's out mm-hmm. on a mission and he's doing surveillance for him or he does uh he's his weapon supplier his gun dealer basically you know he's the guy that kind of hooks him up with his equipment so it looks like he's trying to revive frank he's on the table and he's doing cpr and, you know, that's the point where you're supposed to insert more coins to continue the game. Yeah. <laughs> so he looks really relieved when the Punisher does finally get up. I don't know if that's because he's like, whew, I managed to save my friend, the Punisher, you know? Yeah. Or yeah. if he's saying, whew, I'm glad I didn't lose him on my watch, you know? Like, right. <laughs> like, like I think somehow he fears the Punisher even in death. Like, even, even, death. even if he didn't manage to save the Punisher, he'd be worried. <laughs> But if he does revive him, if you do continue, the Punisher stands up on the table and fires his gun into the air he's, as if he's to say, like, I'm alive again and I'm ready to dispense justice. I'm ready for action. So while fighting on this bus, other thugs get involved in the fight, drop weapons like battle axes and swords and bats. And one of the swords, interestingly, is named, it's got a Japanese name on it. It's named Bizen Osafune. And it turns out this is named for a famous sword museum in Japan. Hmm. This is a place where you can go and watch swords being made if you go there on tour. But yet, they're supposed to be in New York? I think so. Okay. Right. So this is, this is the, the people who made this game, like, putting their, a little bit of their own culture and I think so. flavor into this. Okay. This must be a really well-known place because I've seen uh, that this sword has also been referenced in the Shin Megami Tensei games hmm. as weapons as well. So I guess this is pretty well known. Well, you, you were there, right, in Japan? Uh, I've been there once, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I didn't. I didn't manage to go to this place. <laughs> but once the boss finally goes down, everyone else gets defeated around him. So I guess the idea is concentrate on the boss in these fights because the minions are just going to keep coming in and try to distract you. If anything, I guess they're sources of weapons that you can use to sort of rearm yourself. But once the boss goes down, the stage is clear, and you get uh, bonuses for time, for vitality, for, I guess how much is left on your, your health bar, and um, for bombs, any, any unused grenades that you've got in your inventory, and also for the items that you've collected, mm. or items that you've busted up. So if you smash barrels and chairs and other things along the way, you get bonus points for that. A little bit like Smash TV, right? When Mm -hmm. it ends up like all the VCRs you find (laughs) and TVs. It is funny, yeah. Pretty similar to that. Uh, Now, he picks up Scully, shakes him down, demands to know where his boss is. Very impressive because Scully's like twice the size of 
uh, yeah, the, some the of Punisher. these guys are a little unrealistically uh-huh. gigantic. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of amazing. He's got super strength, I guess. Uh, he gives up the info. He says, please don't kill me. He's at Castle Pantaverde in Florida. Hmm. Frank responds, thanks and goodbye. And then shoots him point blank in the chest. Like, go just to send him on his way. No mercy from the Punisher. Well, he could have shot him in the head, so... <laughs> oh, I see. I think he, you know, gave him a break. He was giving him, yeah. uh, going easy it's on him. It's the polite thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I notice also, after the boss is defeated, the bus driver is in the background giving a thumbs up throughout the whole scene. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if that's his way of indicating that he's not, he's not hostile, he's, like, kind of friendly, or if he's just giving approval of what of, happened. Of the murder, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very strange. So it's time for a trip to Florida to go to the next stage, which is titled Raid on Ponta Verde. And is that a real place? I don't know. I couldn't find any reference to okay. it. I think it might be made up. Yeah, or maybe something in the comic book. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Punisher says the only way to get into that castle would be via the drain pipe of the swimming pool. Bruno won't escape me this time. So he's in a, he's swimming underwater with scuba gear to swim into the enemy compound, and he leaps out of the swimming pool onto the patio to uh, continue his mission. I wonder if he swam there all the way from New York. <laughs> that would be really yeah, amazing. Right. I almost get that impression watching the little animation. Yeah, don't you want to know, like, was he driving a car? Like, how did he get there? He's got his methods. He's got his means. I'm sure Microchip took care of it. Microchip. <laughs> So plenty of goons attempt to block uh, this further advance. The Punisher is not above using a giant battle axe to hack guys in half. It's a very effective weapon. Uh, Somewhere along the way, two female ninjas join the fight. Uh, They're named Midori and Mizuki. They can cling to walls, and they also have like this spinning sword attack that uh, is pretty easy to get knocked down by. But after all of these characters are defeated he drop kicks his way into the mansion through a window and these are filled with more street thugs and we start to see gangsters with like tommy guns and uh look more like chicago mobsters than anything yeah it's like when we were playing it i didn't quite get what year we were in right it seemed like sort of modern of at least like you know within the last 20 30 years and then yeah when they start introducing like the, the the gangsters with the guns and the suits it just seemed like like Dick Tracy or something. Well, what, what's going on here? Well, yeah, because one of them is wearing like a yellow trench coat. Yeah. And it looks kind of oddly out of place, I suppose. But this is the kind of wacky universe that these type of games take place in. Did you ever read the comic? You, you like a fan of the comic? or? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've oh, read okay. a lot of it, sure. Is, is, is this, does a lot of this stuff get referenced in... The the comic is very, um, especially more recently, it's very dark and grim. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always been part of um, the general Marvel universe, but as of late, they kind of made it. Uh, they had a, a more mature imprint called uh, Marvel Max, where they they did some of the things that maybe wouldn't be good for general audiences. That you know, mature meaning they're not holding back on the violence and the language. That's mm-hmm. kind of the difference. It's it's odd because he doesn't have any superpowers. His only power is that he's well tra- a well-trained soldier and he's willing to blow everyone up. Yeah. So uh so yeah, in in this area 
Uh, we do see some prison cells in the background. In this nice-looking mansion, there's, like, full jail cells in the back. Uh, Frank busts open the first door, and a girl named Barbara runs out in a kind of a slinky party dress, hugs and thanks him, and then runs off. In the second door, it's just a mouse when you open it. But uh, there is um, an interesting guy who's like kind of a punk. He looks like kind of like a punk rocker type of guy named Red Lamp, and he's carrying a flamethrower, which, if you pick it up, is pretty useful if you manage to knock it out. Uh, so other goons are named Luis Alegre, Dylan, B. Hannigan, which I think is the uh, the trench coat guy, uh-huh. and uh, Kolsky. These are uh, some of the other some of the other names you see. Very diverse hiring by Bruno, I must say. <laughs> he, at least he's uh, progressive that way. Uh, so in the next room, Bruno, surrounded by his men, says, "I don't die so easily." And Punisher says, "It's time for justice." But then they suddenly get cut down by a laser beam from off screen. Mm. He doesn't get to fight Bruno. A large robot named the Guard Droid starts to lumber in. And says, I have been programmed by the Kingpin to terminate you. The big robot. Mm-hmm. Looks like a robot kind of like from the 1930s. Yeah. He's like this big, kind of clunky looking right, right. robot. Um, he's got a big belly. Maybe been inspired by the Kingpin himself. I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, he does a lot of jumping and stomping and punching and kicking. And he's also got these laser attacks that he fires from his head. Yeah. These are very kind of deliberate movements that he makes, though, so you can sort of anticipate them. So to beat him, you kind of have to sort of step in, give him a hit, and then step away before he starts to move. And as long as you can repeat that process well enough, um, he's not that bad to take down. He's got two large health bars, and when it starts to get low, you see some pieces start to fly off of him. You see his his power core revealed. Yeah, I kind of like that when... You actually see the enemy getting weaker rather than just, like, flashing a different color or something. Mm-hmm. There's, like, visible damage on right. the enemy. It's cool. Yeah, usually when it's, like, only 25% health left or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so once he finally goes down, the Punisher does say, Kingpin, I knew he was behind all of this. Kingpin is a major villain in the Marvel Universe. He is basically the crime boss of the city. He's been a villain pretty much for most of the major heroes that operate in New York. Spider-Man, Daredevil, Punisher in particular. Is he in any of the modern movies? He was a villain in uh, the movie version of The Punisher, the the one that came out a few years ago. Mm, Uh, I didn't catch that one. Yeah, he's actually... uh, There was a Daredevil uh, series on Netflix recently, within, within the last two years, and the Kingpin's a major character in the first season of that series as well so he's definitely around so we move on to stage three waterfront warfare so you see a scene here of lots of black cars in front of the warehouses on the waterfront the puncher says there's a major drug deal going down at the harbor tonight it's a chance for me to blow them out of the water as he overlooks the scene from on top of a crane nearby Oh, he drops down to street level and moves along a row of cars that look like they should be from the 1930s, too. There's a guy named Trench comes out with a Tommy gun. Very colorful outfit. He's got that yellow trench coat. He's got a red suit with, like, cargo pants and work boots. And he's got a backwards baseball cap. Very elaborate for, uh, for a criminal. 
Uh, but the best part is you can attack the cars themselves. And when the car explodes, <laughs> you see the driver still in the car. Or what's left of him. Very disturbing image. His body's completely charred and burned. Yeah. And he's got this death grin on his face. Yep. Uh, very, it is bizarre why they chose to include that. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that they, they cut from the home version. Oh, yeah. From okay. the Genesis version. So I guess maybe it's memory limitations or just ROM size or something, but um, the uh, background objects are not quite as interactive oh. in, in the home version. I noticed a steel plate can also be used as a weapon in this area. When you destroy some oil drums, that's part of the debris that's left over, and you can use that to bash people in the head. I do like the amount of interactivity with objects. Because mm-hmm. you can pick up almost everything, and even after things are damaged, you can still pick up things. Right. It's kind of cool. They leave even stuff just, behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty handy, and some of them are even explosive, too. Yeah, yeah. So there's some new thugs mixed in here with some of the old ones. The Ninja Girls are back, too. Uh, there's a pair of weird enemies that show up named Pretty Boy. These are robots, though. <laughs> they have regular human heads on top of a fully mechanical body. Almost Terminator-like. A little bit, right? Yeah, somewhat. They enter the scene usually by lowering themselves in on stretched-out legs. They can sort of hyperextend their limbs. Like Inspector Gadget. Yeah, very, very much so. <laughs> They basically can reach out and, and, and grab your character and slam them around the screen. And when their upper bodies are destroyed, the the legs stay behind and continue to fight. And those are called pretty legs. I noticed that in the uh, in the corner the there. Pretty legs. <laughs> yeah, and even their heads can be picked up as souvenirs once you finally blow them up. And oddly enough, the heads are called pretty head. <laughs> That's that whole thing is just weird. I don't know what inspired them to do that. So I'm um, I'm just looking up Wiki right now, and Pretty Boy is a character from the X Men universe. Oh, the X Men. Okay, yeah, May 1988. Uh huh. And uh, it does make reference to the video game, the Punisher video game. He is uh, some kind of android cyborg. Mm-hmm. So cyborg with bionic implants. Interesting. So this was not made up for the game. This was actually. A character. So they, the comics, fa- they yeah. found something to use from the comics. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. Huh. So some other food items that I noticed along the way here include cheese, hot dogs, and pudding, which looks a little pudding. bit kind of like a flan, sort of, like uh, mm. like one of those upside-down kind it's of desserts. Choice. Yeah. But, listen... At least it wasn't rice cakes, one of the, these Japanese-made games. Right. That would be a little out of place. <laughs> yeah in uh, this setting so he works his way to one of the warehouses and busts in with his dropkick maneuver again that he uses to break into buildings and the fight is along some scaffolding and you run into another martial arts fighter here named Saxon and I wonder if that's a reference to John Saxon from Enter the Dragon. He's uh, hmm. This is an actor that you probably would recognize if you saw him, but you might not know his name offhand. But he's been in a lot of action movies, and even though this character doesn't look like him, it seems like it would be uh, sort of a fitting reference to make. Uh, at some point, you do drop down to the floor here, where the boss, the Bone Breaker, comes in. He says, die in your own blood, baby. 
He's a cyborg on tank treads with a flamethrower mounted on top of the treads. Mm-hmm. And he can fire missiles into the air. He looks definitely like a Smash TV boss. He does. He looks like the Metoid man. <laughs> it does remind you uh-huh. of that, right? I wonder if there is some inspiration there. Well, what is the character's name again? Uh, he's called the Bone Breaker. Bone Breaker. Okay. <laughs> Uh, another thing you can fight along with here is a boomerang weapon. You pick that up, you fling it, and it comes back to you, and you can catch it and use it again. That helps against many of the thugs that are also in the fight. This fight took a while to clear uh, on my solo playthrough. It took a few credits to get through. The bosses are pretty fast and do a lot of fast damage, and they have a lot more health than I do. So yeah, so Bonebreaker is actually another ca- character from the comic book. Is that so? Yeah, he, and he was actually in the 1990s X-Men cartoon mm-hmm. also. He, he was in one episode. I don't remember this guy. Yeah, Un- Uncanny X-Men, May 1988, first <laughs> appeared. Hmm, very appropriate. So maybe Smash TV actually took that as inspiration, mm-hmm. rather than the other way around. Similar, I mean, it's a similar idea, mm-hmm. and I guess it's not too crazy f- to make a cyborg that is half man, half tank. <laughs> <laughs> They don't really look alike in other in other ways, but no. at least the concept yeah. is the same, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so once you finally beat him, you move on to the bonus stage. The only bonus stage in this game. The challenge is to guide uh, the crosshairs around and shoot a few waves of oil drums that are dropping down onto the screen. Not terribly challenging, especially in two-player mode, is a lot easier. Uh, in single player, it was it was kind of hard to try to get every last one. It seems a little out of place this this part. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the whole game is pretty straightforward, and you get to the scene, and the game just changes to this weird like shooting gallery sort of thing. Right? Yeah, it's even like, got. Why is this even here? <laughs> it's it, it breaks a little bit of the uh, illusion of reality, right? Mm-hmm. Because in the background, you do have both characters' names with a scoreboard for each one. <laughs> so. It does feel like you're in a game show all of a sudden. Right. <laughs> but after that little segment, you move on to stage four, titled Death on Rails. Frank says they've got a huge poppy field and a mobile factory, all in one underground cave in Arizona. Let's throw a little wrench in the Kingpin's plans. So Frank is attacking the Kingpin's uh network of money-making operations. He wants to hurt Kingpin where it hurts the most in his wallet, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Before facing him head on. So in this underground cavern, you fight a little bit along some train tracks and there's a field of plants in the background, uh, uh, presumably the poppy fields. And uh, you do board a train. You can smash some equipment to reveal some hidden items outside the train some of the items have kind of a time bomb effect. So there's like antennas and pieces of machinery and stuff. And when you bash them, they start to glow until they finally explode. So that's kind of a warning to not be near that thing when it goes off. Some things you can pick up are throwing stars. And you can even use a bag of cement <laughs> as a weapon. <laughs> a new ninja girl also shows up here named Luna. <laughs> Surprised by the amount of women fighters mm-hmm. in this game. Yeah, they're a little bit scantily clad in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, that's been also toned down for the home version. Mm. They didn't. They're not quite as revealing. 
the other thing is they have kind of color-coded uniforms, which is not something that ninjas typically do right? because <laughs> they want to stay concealed. But I guess for uh, some variety, they, they, they mix them up into different colors. And what happens is if after you defeat each one, uh, whichever one, uh, whatever color their outfit is, they leave behind uh, a gem of, of the matching type of color. Mm-hmm. So uh, the red one will leave a ruby, the green one will leave an emerald behind and so on. Which is just for points, right? Right, yeah. It's just part of your your bonus at the end. Um, So you move along the top of the train at one point until you get to the front cabin where you bust in and you sort of face the boss. But one thing I kind of wondered while I was playing this, though, is now you've played a lot of beat-em-up type of games. Sure, yeah. And do you have, like, a favorite thing that you like to do in these games? Like, is there a particular play style or action that appeals to you the most? Do you like to grab the enemies and throw them? Do you like just punching and kicking them? So, yeah, it's funny you brought that up, because this game, you know, my favorite series is Streets of Rage. Mm -hmm. And this game actually borrows a lot of the play mechanics from Streets of Rage 2 and 3, Mm -hmm. including the double tap in uh, any direction to do a roll. Okay. And then when you come out of the roll, you can press the punch button and, and come out into like a, an attack. Like an uppercut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that actually is something I prefer, and this game has that, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, there's other things that they borrowed from Streets of Rage 2, um, which I think they did. I mean, this, this game came out like a year later, I think, from, from that game. But um, there's definitely some similarities, even with the girl ninjas, very similar attack styles. Mm-hmm. Um, the weapons, the food, like a lot of very similar, a lot of similarities. I mean, in other other ways, you can say the Streets of Rage games borrowed from Final Fight, right? In, in a lot of ways. Well, this so, game definitely fo- follows Final Fight. Yeah, and this is a Capcom game, so mm-hmm. uh, you know it's all one big universe of these fighting games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, they all exist in this weird world. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the, the double tap joystick into like an attack maneuver, mm-hmm. like a, either an uppercut or something like that, is usually what I like doing. Mm. Do you like uh, the the weapons play also? Do you like picking up the throwing knives and throwing them or using just anything you find along the way? Yeah, yeah, that's fun. It breaks up the action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gives you things the to the do, guns. right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. In this game, when you pick up, you have two choices. When you pick up like a barrel or something like that, you can either smash the guy with it or you can jump up and you can toss it at them mm-hmm. and fling it. Right. And I think you can do that with all the weapons. Or you can just kick it and punch it, and then maybe it'll drop a weapon right. or, or a health item mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, so it's kind of uh, gives you some some flexibility. And, and the weapons, like Streets of Rage, also have a, a life bar. So mm-hmm. you know you have a couple of you can only hit a guy a couple of times, and the weapon gets destroyed. And... Yeah, there is a there is an indicator on the screen that tells you how many right? okay. how many charges the weapon's got yeah. left. So as you use it, you can you, you'll know when to move over to get the next one. Mm-hmm. It's pretty useful. So this uh, boss encounter on the train is with a character called the Bushwhacker. And he says... Not WWE's Bushwhackers from Australia. (laughs) No. I believe this is another Marvel Comics character. (laughs) He says, welcome Punisher, all aboard the Death Express. (laughs) And he has a large missile launcher for an arm that can also do sort of a super power punch Mm. if he charges up. And... uh, in this fight, I noticed one of the weapons I can pick up is a knight's lance. <laughs> yeah, that was strange, right? <laughs> it was weird. I, I wonder if, and I don't know if maybe that is a reference to the comic book, but I, I, my first reference was to Ghost and Goblins. Uh-huh. 
as like the lance weapon you get right arthur oh another capcom game. right yeah so i don't know that's probably a long shot but well in a, in a later scene you do see um a suit of armor in the background yeah as just a thing that you can destroy and you can then pick up the lance it's if funny you, it seemed like that. sort of uh-huh weird for that to be a weapon but it is it's you, you know you can throw it basically yeah, like a javelin yeah it's uh it's not you can't really swing it like a sword i don't think I think it's like a single use. I think it was a single use. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't pick it up, but I saw, I saw you using it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you were going for that. And it's uh-huh. funny, when you pick it up, it does say Lance as, as mm-hmm. the weapon you're holding. Sure. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> this uh, this train is, is wacky, though, because the main cabin, the, the driver's cabin for this uh, for this train, it's it's got a big easy chair in it. It's got a leopard rug on the on the floor. It's well furnished. Uh-huh. It's got a fireplace in the background. <laughs> Uh, right next to like active machinery, which could be the train's engine. I'm not really sure. But when the boss finally does go down, the train starts to blow up, and the characters very calmly kind of just walk out of the scene as everything just explodes behind them. And that leads to the next stage called Kingpin's Wrath. The Kingpin appears on the screen and says, The Punisher has caused me enough damage. Find where he's hiding and bring me his head. That kingpin is a huge sprite. He <laughs> yes. takes up, I would say he takes up about 40% of the screen practically, right? When he finally appears, gigantic. you see a large portion of the screen used to render is the kingpin. Is he supposed to be that large? He's very large. He's very... He still doesn't seem human. Like He's, he's a very like... big, imposing guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, He's it's part of his... his his role as a mob boss, he's got to be just overwhelmingly large. Like a mountain, yeah. I think that's part of his thing, too. It's like, you kind of underestimate him. You think he's like just this big guy that can't really move that well. Turns out he's a very effective uh, hand-to-hand fighter, too. Mm-hmm. So, it's just, uh, you know, he's got, he's got tricks up his sleeve. <laughs> so, he says, find out where the Punisher's hiding. But I don't think the Punisher's hiding. I think the Punisher's actively trying to get to the Kingpin. So... <laughs> I don't know where he's coming from, but... These are the days before, like, remote cameras and mm-hmm. cell phones and stuff, so... Right. He didn't have much to go by. Yeah, well, you see a scene, it switches to a scene later on, where the Punisher is looking at some computer systems, and the wall explodes, and some guys run in and say, finally found you, Punisher. And, uh... Punisher's not going to have any of that. He opens fire first <laughs> and starts to move out into a sewer tunnel where I guess um, maybe he had a hideout somewhere in a sewer. The fight then continues there for a bit. And eventually we move into like, we come out of like a drain pipe into a forest area where there's more thugs to fight. Somehow in this wacky, strange world, no matter where you go, there's thugs. There's thugs, enemies basically for you to beat up. <laughs> Uh, the ninja girls are back. Uh, we see like a large uh, chunk of meat on a bone as a big health upgrade. Almost full health, I think. This is another... It looks like, you know, the kind of meat that you would find in like Bonk's Adventure or something. Right, yeah. That's, that's a good comparison. <laughs> uh, eventually, you get to a log cabin where the next boss appears, who is Guard Droid 2. He's back. And he says, target confirmed, terminate immediately. 
But he seems a little faster than the previous guard droid. He seems a little more aggressive. The same kind of strategy works against him. I don't think it's anything uh, too different other than just being a little a little more a little quicker on the yeah, reflexes. Yeah, that, that laser sometimes because it's very hard to avoid that. Yeah. It kind of flashes real fast, but you really don't have time to get out of the way. Yeah, the robot's head spins. Yeah. And the two lasers will fire on either side of him. So you want to not be in the same uh, plane as the robot when he does that. That's kind of the the deal. Was he the boss also that when the guy would jump up in the air and land, he would damage you? Yeah, so he has a leaping attack where he'll he'll crash into the ground and he'll knock you down if you're mm. standing on the ground when he when you land. So you want to you want to time your jumps to be up in the air when okay. he's when he's coming back down. Um, but yeah, basically defeat him and the Punisher moves to the edge of a cliff overlooking a city, where he declares, "Kingpin, your luck's finally run out." And he's going to go and proceed to the last stage called Final Punishment. The Punisher is now on a city rooftop holding a bazooka and says, I know he's hiding somewhere in this hotel. It ends for you tonight, Kingpin. I swear it. And he, you know, if if Nick Fury is there with him, again, he'll chastise Punisher for using such harsh methods and say, you know, we're going to have to we're going to have to have a little talk later, Frank, about about your your aggression and <laughs> you know but the bazooka fires and they leap into the hotel where more mobs are attacking uh scully comes back even though he was shot in the chest on the school bus he's back should have should have finished him off the first time i, I See, that's what happens when you be nice i wonder if all of these characters are clones because all the the thugs look alike too and they all have yeah. the same name so yeah, they, do. <laughs> they must all come from the same factory yeah. <laughs> uh but then you have uh a classic type of scene that you would see in an action movie of them crashing into an elevator shaft and fighting on top of an elevator although in this case some knucklehead is dropping bundles of dynamite onto a constant barrage of grenades. And <laughs> yeah, and luckily they can be picked up and thrown at the enemies before they explode. Mm-hmm. So I do like that aspect. It of gets it. a little tricky because there's probably like eight or twelve at a time, mm-hmm. and they they flash before they explode, like you said. But at the same time, there's at different intervals. There's more grenades being tossed. Yeah. So you don't know. You just see like a whole screen full of grenades. And you don't know which ones are going off first. You have to really pay attention mm-hmm. and constantly be ready to jump up in the air. Well, you just gotta. Basically, what I would do is just clear a safe area around me. If, yeah. if there's the four closest ones, I'll just pick them up and throw them before they go off. Yeah. And just keep them away from me. Um, but eventually, you get to the top of the elevator shaft, and there's a, you bust into a machine room where there's more thugs. One of them is named Wowcat, who's also got a flamethrower that you can use. Uh, this time there's a scene where you got to fight four of the ninjas at the same time, as well as this big guy named bread and they're all attacking all at once. It gets, you can notice the difficulty increasing here Mm -hmm. right before, uh, the finale. Uh, once you defeat them, use a grenade to blow a hole in the floor and then drop down to face the big boss himself in his luxurious penthouse. He's got a nice pool in the background Kingpin knows how to live large. He's large in all aspects of his life. (laughs) The Kingpin says, Your ridiculous little vendetta ends now. And the Punisher says, It's all over, Kingpin. You're through. 
but your is spelled wrong. <laughs> it's spelled Y-O-U-R. <laughs> the fight begins, and as you say, the kingpin moves pretty well considering his size. Yeah, He can lunge, he can bounce up. I was amazed at how easily your character can just pick up the kingpin. Mm-hmm. Very impressed that either one of them can pick up the kingpin and throw him. Yeah. But at the same time, the kingpin is not shy about picking you up and throwing you across the room, even if it means throwing you into one of his into his henchmen, group of thugs yeah. and henchmen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's very desperate to uh, make sure that you uh, meet your end. He's got a weird smoke attack, too. Um I think he's... I don't know if he's blowing cigar smoke. Cigar, probably. Or if it's just, like, some kind of forced breath or something. <laughs> he's holding a, a diamond-encrusted cane. And the cane can even fire a laser from the top of the... You know, from the diamond itself. Mm-hmm. But just pound on him enough, and eventually he goes down. And Nick Fury says, The whole building's gonna blow. Punisher responds, we've got to get out of here. And he says, good night, fat boy. Signs off with that. <laughs> Flinging some insults before, <laughs> yeah. before the end. But he leaves a final grenade behind just to make sure and exits. They, they run into the van to escape. And you see the king building collapsing. You get a very long epilogue that scrolls by. The police found 295 ex-criminals in the rubble. And I think that number changes. I was going to say, does that change? Okay. It does change depending on... I'm assuming it depends on how many enemies you've defeated throughout the course of the game. I thought that you couldn't make you couldn't progress until you defeated like the waves of enemies. Like, uh, Yeah, I think... Well, I think because new enemies during the boss fights will spawn as long as the oh, boss is alive. right. So I think that's fights, the variable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> yeah, because... Because I'm, there were times where you were telling me don't concentrate on the the, the little guys go on the... you know, attack the boss. Yeah. Because they're just going to keep respawning. Mm-hmm. Right. And I noticed it was a different number when when we beat it as it opposed was, to right? my... Okay. my yeah, we were like 260 okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, so the police found all those bodies, but none of them could be identified as the kingpin. So Sequel, perhaps? <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> and uh, he also finishes by saying that vengeance burns eternal. So, Did they spell it right? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> all of that was correct. Uh, which means the Punisher's war never ends. He's got a never-ending fight against crime. He'll never win. But he'll do what he can. A uh, very nice animated credit scroll at the end. Mm-hmm. The Punisher and Fury are performing various attacks and blowing stuff up, and you know all the names are appearing and stuff. Um, my final score was six million four hundred sixty-nine thousand seven hundred seventeen. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> I know the Kingpin is worth quite a lot if you defeat him. I, I think yeah. I think when we played, I got. I beat the kingpin. I got the last kick in. Mm-hmm. And what I, I think I finished with like over five million, I believe. Okay, that seems reasonable. Yeah, but before I had before I killed the kingpin, it was a lot less. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I yeah, think I think we're, he's... we're pretty close. We had almost the same score. Yeah, yeah, that seems that seems appropriate. Mm-hmm. So during the scroll during the credits, I noticed uh, one notable designer on the game was yeah. uh, uh, named Akiman. He is uh, Akira Yasuda. He is uh, a Capcom uh, staff guy. 
uh, worked there from 1985 to 2003. Long time. Contributed to many games. Many, inc- many popular games. Including Final Fight, the Street Fighter series, um, even when as, as far as Power Stone. Yeah. So quite, quite a lot. Uh, despite his name, he, I don't believe he has anything to do with the Aki wrestling series. No, well, that's why I originally thought so, because mm-hmm. there is an Aki man in right. virtual pro wrestling. <laughs> but I, I guess it's different. I guess because his first name is Akira. He, yeah. That's, yeah. that's where it comes from. So the home version for Genesis was ported by Sculptured Software. It was released uh, in, I believe, 1994. North America, and I think sounds about right. I think it got a release in Europe the year later. Not a popular game. (laughs) Uh, I think it was pretty close to the arcade game. Mm -hmm. I think it was pretty similar. Um, Like we said, there were some changes. Uh, Some of the some of the enemy types were not quite as as diverse. Uh, Sprites weren't as big, mm -hmm. more colorful. This is a very colorful game. It seemed like it'd be better suited for Super Nintendo because it had those like rich. Bright purples and yellows, like very pastelish colors mm-hmm. that the Genesis is just not very good at. Yeah, I wonder why they chose to go that route. Yeah. Um, another difference, Scully was not shot at the end of the fight on the school bus. That was another thing they decided to drop for the home version. Maybe that was a bit too graphic. Hmm. But uh, Was the Genesis game rated um, mature or whatever? They, I forget what rating system they used. We'd have to time. look at a, at a graphic of the, uh, of the original box. I don't know if they were using that system quite yet. I'm going to look it up while you talk. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's... Uh, what was, the, what was the, the rating before that? It was AO for adult only. Oh, well, they didn't go that far. T for teen. Well, yeah, but before the ESRB, the Sega had their own rating system, right? Yeah, wasn't that it? Isn't that the Sega? It was, uh, like... Because uh, I'm looking at the box, and it's, it says T. Oh, it does? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that's... Uh, teen. Maybe they introduced that at some point. Because remember, it was like, it was K-A for kids to adults. Kids to adults, right. I think that's yeah. what that's what the T rating took over for. Yeah, mm. see, a lot of them seem to have all the same rating. Okay. Though. All right. Well, maybe there was Interesting. a... Interesting. Maybe the, the system we're familiar with was in effect already. But, uh, yeah, I think it was a good game to check out, I think. As if you like beat 'em ups, I think it's a decent entry. It's okay. It's very short, mm-hmm. which I think works in this situation because it does. There's not a whole lot of variety. The enemies do repeat a lot. Yeah, but uh, you know, the levels are short. The, you know, the boss characters are cool. Well, for an arcade game, I think um, I think it was about forty five minutes. Forty five minutes. Uh, it's, we beat it with about eleven credits. Mm-hmm. So that's not very good if you're an arcade owner. Certainly not a one credit clear. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that would take some more practice, I think. <laughs> to do that, sure. But I mean, if you can beat two-player game and you beat it with, you know, spending less than $5, that's pretty amazing. I mean, try doing that with Smash TV. Right. Yeah. I, I lost a lot of credits on that. I'm looking at the, the flyer for the game, mm-hmm. for the arcade machine. And it lists some of the moves that you can do right. with your character. So it, it explains the, mach- the gun that you get, too. Mm-hmm. And it says when an enemy uses a gun, the player fights back with the gun automatically. Okay. Automatic sighting and unlimited bullets. Mm-hmm. So I guess once you kill the enemy with the gun, then he puts the gun... You, get, you lose the gun as well. I see. That's what, that's what they explain. They also explain some of the moves you get. There's one called the death lift, Mm -hmm. which is when the enemy falls down, you push the attack button near him to lift him up. 
There's also the Hell Swing. <laughs> Grab the enemy and push two buttons simultaneously. It consumes your vitality a little bit. You pointed so, that out to me while we were playing. Yeah, there's because it is a two-button game, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you press two buttons at the same time, I noticed that, like Streets of Rage also, uh, in Citra I think you press like the, the A button. You would do like a special move, and that would lose a little bit of, of your life bar. This does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something called the Izuna Fall. And this is like a wrestling maneuver. Grab the enemy and jump, then push the lever down and push the attack button. So he does sort of like a pile driver sort of move. Like an upside down pile driver. I, I think I stumbled into some of these moves just by accident. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, there was a couple of things I didn't know how I did them. Because like, you can throw grenades too. Right. But I didn't know like how to really do it. I, I thought I knew. I think you have to like jump up and Jump then... up and press both buttons maybe. Maybe, yeah. Um, there's also, uh, if you push two buttons... Simultaneously, uh, you do this like spin kick sort of thing that also uses some of your life bar mm-hmm. if you do that. Yeah, I was doing a lot of that by accident too. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was a little variety, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, did you price the cabinets? <laughs> I did not. How much one of these would go for? <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. I'm sorry to disappoint. I, I won't do it then. <laughs> I don't know how to price cabinets. I have no idea. Yeah, I figure it's... Um, there's really no set standard. Nah. All right. I've never seen it in the arcade. Mm-hmm. Um, have you? Have you no, no. And okay. that, that was one of the reasons I wanted to, to try it out. Because by 1993, I wasn't really spending a lot of time in arcades. Mm. Uh, I think uh, by then, there weren't a lot of choices in the area to be able to play games like this. I think... I, or at least I just didn't know where to go for that kind of thing. To me, arcades kind of um, started to disappear around, you know, the late 80s, I guess. Although they did persist for a while into the 90s, I just didn't have that many options to be able to play games like this. Right. Yeah, a lot of them started closing down around that time. Mm-hmm. You know, most, mostly, I think what happened was a lot of arcade machines would just be outside of candy stores and convenience, like those type of places. Right. That was uh, pretty much the playtime for this week. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> Yeah. So, of course, it was Thanksgiving week, which means lots of Black Friday sales. Yeah, lots of Black Friday, right? Yeah. Every year we do this. Mm-hmm. Did you buy anything? I bought a number of things. And in keeping with tradition, I'm just going to talk about the things that I have in hand that I actually received already. Okay, okay. I'm not going to give you the full rundown because we'd be here for a while. Wow. <laughs> Holy cow. Not proud of this. I can't believe you found that many things I know, to buy. I know. You were saying how there's really not that much to pick oh, yeah. through this year, but I found a couple of things okay. that I was interested I in. I guess you go first, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, among the specials this Black Friday, there was a deal from Nintendo for the new 3DS. And we're talking about the standard size one, not the XL. Mm-hmm. So the regular new 3DS model was going for $99. This was a new version that they came out with, or at least newly decorated. <laughs> Caused a lot of outrage. It did. Apparently, this was sold out pretty fast, too. Mm-hmm. But I managed to snag one. I got the Super Mario White Edition, although it does not come with a Super Mario game. It simply comes with Mario-styled so faceplates. It doesn't come with a Mario game, nor does it come with an AC adapter. That's right. Charger. Okay. <laughs> no power adapter, either. 
Nice. I, I, think Which, you, I think you overpaid, honestly. $99. I think that's overpaying. <laughs> uh, some, I think uh, during our last um, NAVA meeting at Digital mm-hmm. Press, uh, we talked about this briefly with um, one of the staff there, and he pointed out, he says, you know, when they do these sales, it's sort of a, a hint that this is going to be the new price. So don't be that disappointed if you couldn't get one. For this weekend, because they're probably going to be $99 everywhere soon. Right, because you can get the XLs for not much more. Yeah, well, the normal price for the, for this was 149 presently. Wow. So, so this was actually $50 it's off. Mm-hmm. And the XL is $50 more from that. So the XL wasn't particularly marked down during the sale. It would it would have been a 199 if you wanted a new 3DS XL. But that's... Excels are on sale almost every week. I've seen sometimes, them for 160 pretty regularly. Sometimes you see them. Uh, for a while, the regular one was discounted when the new version came out. Okay. So it really depends on which one you want. But this is this is the new model going forward for at least the time being. For as Until long as it's they discontinued in another month, <laughs> they're gonna keep it when going the, when the switch comes out. As long as they can, yeah. Uh, the other thing about this model is that if you already have a new 3ds which has the swappable faceplates, mm-hmm. you can buy this design that's on it as just a faceplate if you want to just dress it up. You don't have up. to buy another right. physical... So that's the one nice thing about the smaller 3DS is that it, you can change the the external faceplates mm-hmm. if you want to change up the, the look somewhat. <laughs> um, which is right side up? The graphics? Is, is this the model that's actually fixed? Well, yes. Actually, for the, for the faceplates, for some reason, and I can't figure out Nintendo's strategy when it comes to art direction for this stuff, but <laughs> the faceplates are always right side up, or at least the design is. Now, now this is the type of design that is just a, a set of different graphics and icons just kind of floating in space Mm -hmm. so the orientation doesn't really matter that much for this type of look but for other ones where it's a little more laid out and then sometimes there's text and other things on the xl a lot of times it's facing the the owner so basically when you open the lid whatever's on the faceplate will be upside down right (laughs) whatever's on the lid whereas on the smaller one a lot of times the designs are right side up. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of all over the place with this. There's really no consistency, it seems. But in general, the faceplates seem to have fixed this. Okay. Before the new 3DS and before they were doing faceplates and they were simply doing printed designs. Just in time for them to stop making the 3DS. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. As usual, Nintendo says, we intend to continue supporting yeah, right. <laughs> the 3DS. Sure. The Switch will not replace the 3DS. But... I think it's up to consumers to decide that. We'll mm-hmm. see what the cost difference is. If the 3DS is $99 and the Switch is $300... Well, they're going to make games. If they're not making games for the, for the 3DS, you mm-hmm. know, then what's the... Yeah, they can still sell them, but who's going to buy it? Right. Yeah, it really depends on where development effort goes. Yeah. yeah, true. Okay, so what else did you get? All right. Well, my other purchases were digital in nature. And I'll tell you about a couple of those. For one thing, I actually bought a Wii U digital game, which is amazing because most of the time they don't really have anything I want, but this time they did have an exclusive game that I was interested in getting titled Fast Racing Neo, and this is a kind of an F-Zero style racing game, maybe a little bit of Wipeout thrown in 
for good measure. Basically, futuristic hover car racing. They had it for seven fifty on sale, fifty percent off. You normally fifteen. It was eight fifteen after tax. So the eShop does charge sales tax. Did hmm. not know for sure if that was oh, going to be the case. Well, the iTunes store does. Doesn't every store? Um, Steam does not. Does not. Okay. Um, I think PlayStation does. Yeah. All right. I don't know. Well, at any case, observation. Yeah. Yeah. So I did pick that up. Now I did something a little new as far as digital purchases go here as well. I bought a couple of digital games for the Xbox One. In particular, I bought Recore for. Xbox One and Windows. Mm-hmm. So the way it works for games thro- sold through the Microsoft store, if you buy it digitally, you get a copy for both Xbox and Windows because it's tied to your Microsoft account. Whereas if you buy it physically, you only get it for Xbox. Mm. So, so that's I, an incentive to so, buy it digital. Yeah, that's an added sort of benefit to buying it digitally. Now, I, I did this kind of on purpose just to see how it would work out. I wanted to see, like, let me test this experience. Let me see if it's, you know, if the game looks better on Windows versus, you know, because I have a pretty decent gaming PC. So I thought, let me see if it's actually noticeably different. So I wasn't content to simply test it with one game, though. I thought if I was going to test it, I should at least just buy one game and see how it works out. But the deals were good enough that I decided to get Gears of War 4 also. And I also bought that digitally. Uh, that one was $30. But that's... It's a brand new game, though. Brand new game. Yeah. Basically 50% off. It's still selling for 60 if you don't find it on, on sale. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have maybe taken a little bit of caution there just to see how the other game worked out first. But it was a sale, and I wanted to get in on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those were also those also had tax applied to them for a purchase from the Microsoft store. Listen, they don't charge tax, they collect tax. That's right. That's right. But some stores do not collect tax. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, and most notably, uh, my last one, I ended up buying a digital code for a uh, Windows game uh, through Newegg. And they had Call of Duty Infinite Warfare for $30 as well. Also, I didn't know you had that brand new radar. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I'm not a big Call of Duty player at all. I am not into the whole, you know, competitive shooter scene all that much. I've dabbled here and there, but not. I don't. I don't consistently buy the new game every year like a lot of the regular players would. Mm-hmm. But I thought this game looked interesting to me just because of the sort of the sci-fi futuristic setting, and I know a lot of traditional Call of Duty players actually don't like that. They actually thumbs down the promo video for this game because they don't want sci-fi and lasers in, and robots in their Call of Duty games. Yeah. yeah. They want to keep it modern and realistic or historical and realistic. Uh, but mm-hmm. at any rate, the game looked good to me and it's gotten good reviews, actually. Mm-hmm. So I don't see a reason to not want to check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, normally I would wait for a game like this to go on sale much cheaper, but... I notice Activision's a little stingy when it comes to Call of Duty. They kind of keep the price a little high, particularly because it is a competitive online shooter type of game. So I think because they know that people continue to buy these games just to be able to play online, they typically have a longer sales curve. 
And so they don't discount them quite as often. So I thought, let me get this game while it's new and interesting and half off. So why not? Um, There is a legacy edition of of Infinite Warfare that comes with a remaster of Modern Warfare, which was Call of Duty 4. But I already own that game for Steam, so I didn't really see a need to buy it again. So... There you go. Did you test any of those games? Not yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> Curious to see how it works under Windows and Xbox One. Mm-hmm. I guess you'll have to actually hook up your Xbox One. Uh, yeah, it's hooked up. Oh, it is. It's okay. hooked up. I don't use it a whole lot, but it's there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Now, Call of Duty, I got it for Windows only. That was not a cross buy oh, game. Oh, it wasn't? Okay. That was not a Microsoft title. Oh, all right. Okay. That's, um, that was just for Steam. Okay. Yeah, and actually those Microsoft games are activated through the Microsoft Store. Mm. So you can't pull them into Steam? No, they're not mm. sold on Steam. It's too bad. These two titles aren't. They're starting to dabble a little bit with it. Mm-hmm. They offer another game on mm. Steam, which... Yeah. Uh, Quantum Break, I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was another... That was ex- the first one. That was an Xbox exclusive for a while, and then they decided to offer it not only as a PC game, but through Steam as well. No, no Forza Horizon? Uh, no, I held off on that. Okay. I'm going to wait for uh, a better discount just because I haven't played 2 yet. <laughs> I have I have Horizon 2, and this is the, the one you're talking about is Horizon 3. Mm. But also because of the way they split up the DLC for Horizon 3. There's a lot of cars and tracks and other stuff that they bundled up if you buy like the ultimate edition of the game. Uh-huh. So you, you kind of have to get the season pass to get the full game. So I'll wait until they do, like, an Ultimate Edition with everything in right. it. Right, uh-huh. Uh, down the okay. road. It's fine. Yeah. So that's just a peek. Just a little snippet of my Black Friday acquisitions. All right, yeah. I guess I did not do as well I, as far as buying things. I just didn't find anything that I really needed or wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been buying like, some Transformers over the few last few months, so... Right. Um, you know, I kind of exhausted all those things, but, uh, I did pick up two games for the PS4 and that is Last of Us Remastered. Now, how much was that? Like 10 bucks? $10. Okay. So that was 10 and Ratchet and Clank for 10. And I never played Ratchet and Clank before. I seen videos of it. There was a demo on a kiosk, which I enjoyed. It looked really good. There's a weapon in that game that's called, I think the pixel gun. Uh huh. And when you shoot an enemy, they turn into like sprites. Yeah. And I, th- I just thought that looked kind of cool. It's a cool effect. So, um, yeah, I don't know, that game looked all right. The series is known for its wacky weapons and is it? and all okay. the things that you can... the All the crazy effects that they, they produce. It's a series I never played. I always... It, it, the Fox character, whatever he's supposed to be, <laughs> just never appealed to me. It wasn't... I didn't think he was cute looking. I didn't right. think he was... I don't know, just no interest. But um, the game looks fun, so I'm going to check it out. And Last of Us, um, it's supposed to be a great game. Right. Uh, I'm glad I bought it because they just announced a sequel to the game now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, give me some time to play this and catch up before the sequel comes out. Yeah. Uh, oh, I also picked up uh, a new Amiibo, <laughs> <laughs> which I actually pre-ordered months ago. So it just it shipped out this week. And that is the Zelda, Legend of Zelda 8-bit looking sprite Amiibo. Mm-hmm. Of Link. Of Link, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
This is, um, I'm not really sure what game that's supposed to work with, if it does work with the game, but it looks cool. Yeah, what is that? It's true, because usually <laughs> Amiibos come out to work with a specific game, uh-huh. right? But maybe it just it just unlocks stuff in all of the It probably does, but like, yeah, it usually does tie to like some specific mm-hmm. game. Maybe yeah. it's Breath of the Wild, who knows? Maybe, maybe. Maybe just a couple of months early, maybe that was supposed to come out for Christmas and things got changed. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's it. I think that's all I picked up. Okay. You know, like I said, not a whole lot. You know, there's a couple of games that I was looking at, but, uh, you know, unless I can get it for like 10 or less, I'm, I'm so backed up on gaming that there's no reason to spend more money than I need to. These games aren't going out of print. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's true. I, I, I sort of, um, I should, I should stick to that rule because I do have more than enough games you, to some, play for a while. Some games you buy do go out of print. Like you do go after some of the... Mm-hmm oddball like japanese or indie titles that yeah. get released as a physical copy right so the, the problem i run into in those situations too is even even if it's not something totally special like like a limited run type of game or mm-hmm. something um a lot of times the only way to get them through best buy for example is when they first come out because they usually don't restock a lot of those games there's just one shipment and that's it they're gone after that yeah uh, it's not like I can wait for a price drop on them, right. uh-huh. you know, because they just basically leave the system. Uh, I guess in the future, you know, maybe obviously online or, you know, maybe GameStop gets a used copy or something. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times GameStop tends to treat a lot of those games as kind of premium games anyway. Even when they're used, they tend to charge like, you know, $30, 40 Yeah, well, it's GameStop. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's kind of the kind of thing where it's like if you don't get it when it first comes out... You don't know when you're going to see it again, mm-hmm. even if I'm not ready to play it right at that moment. You know, so I'm I'm trying to you know make a decision on each one to see like, well, maybe I can wait, maybe I can play the odds and see what happens. Sometimes the I, I slip up and some of them get past me and and then I'm stuck looking for them. <laughs> They're on my want list. It's a, it's almost like a full time job. Uh, I'm not I'm not proud of it. <laughs> You didn't talk about your new phone. My new phone? I have to bring that up? No, you don't have to. All right. Well, I should mention that we I... We talked about your phone, though. Over the, uh, that's true. I don't think we, we, we didn't update, right? Since Right. So I did finally get a new phone. I've been talking it's about like it for a while. years in the making. Uh, four years in the making, at least. <laughs> <laughs> or at least, at least two years. At least two years in the making. Yeah, probably. I would so, say you've been considering upgrading for the last two years. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I finally bit the bullet and... and decided to go in on you know, an iPhone 7 Plus. Uh, I went for the standard black color, not the, not the, not the jet glossy, black. Yeah. And I got it in the 128 gig configuration, which seems way too much for a phone to me, but that was really the only option that made sense. Uh, 32 gig is not bad, actually, for an entry-level phone, but... Why not go for for $4 more a month? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you did the, the monthly plan, So I did right? the device yeah. payment plan, uh-huh. and I actually did the upgrade plan. I'm going to try it out and see if it's if it pays off. I'm, so I'm the taking a gamble here. iPhone 8 comes out with the right. bezel-less screen we'll see. and wireless charging. You're going to be the first one on the block to have one. Uh, maybe. Whereas or, I'm stuck with my 7 for a couple of years because... You're happy with it. You don't, you don't, you, you like it the way it is. It's fine. I'm not a big phone user. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
yeah, I, again, I don't, I don't really know what the next model is going to be, and I, I was kind of trying to hold off, mm-hmm. waiting for like a really big change, just because the seven is not hugely different no, from was, from the last two years. Yeah. So I could have, I could have saved myself some some wait time and uh-huh. just gotten a six a while ago. Yeah, but your your phone was practically held together with rubber bands and <laughs> scotch tape. It had gotten to that point. Uh huh. So yeah, it was time to upgrade. I couldn't, I couldn't hold off any longer. Uh, so far, so good though. It, it works. That's a plus. That's good. It, it turns on. Good. It's responsive. It's fast. Mm-hmm. I launch apps. Everything works. So all right, we'll see. I'm going to see what is in my iTunes library already that I think would be good to have on the phone. Mm-hmm. So far, I've only kind of transferred my essential stuff, but I haven't really dug into any of the entertainment options and stuff like that. Yeah. Cool. I do notice that Pac-Man 256 on the oh, phone yeah. gives you a much uh, longer sort of view of the play field because the iPhone is, is more widescreen. Yeah, aspect. as opposed to the iPad, right? Yeah, I'm used to playing it on the iPad, which mm-hmm. is which is a more of a 4x3 type of a screen. Yeah. Or even on the TV, which is sideways. It's it's not even yeah. the right the right view, but <laughs> but besides that, yeah, it looks it looks different on there. So, uh, so I, even I, higher scores to come. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, there we have it. All right. So, thanks again for joining us. Please visit our Facebook page. We're at facebook.com slash rbrooklynbytes. Mm-hmm. Please leave us a note. If you prefer on email, we're at obbfeedback at gmail.com. And please visit the retrojunkies.com for more gaming goodness and more retro fun. <laughs> so with that, we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.